0: going to leave matthew we're going to luke chapter two and at the end of basically the primary parts of mary and joseph and the birth of jesus we find verse 25 there was a man in jerusalem whose name was simeon and this man was just and devout waiting your king james or new king james says waiting for the consolation of israel the new living translation i read it today says he was eagerly waiting For the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. We learned last week that Christ is not Jesus' last name. But it means Messiah, so that he was the Lord or Elohim's Messiah or the Lord's Christ, and that he would not taste death. So he came by the Spirit. So the Spirit revealed it unto him. The Spirit said that he would not die until he had seen the promise. Then he came by the Spirit into the temple. And the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. We're going to continue merry moments tonight, and I'm simply going to go to part two, which is great. Say that with me. Great, great expectations. Something is going on, and I don't quite understand it, but I know that I have my word from the Lord, and if God said it, it shall come to pass. Would you clap your hands on your way down? Somebody just ought to clap your hands, open your mouth, and begin to give God a crazy praise. Does anybody feel that kind of praise inside your spirit? hmm Uh, There's something that I've learned the hard way in life and in ministry, but it's in the word of the Lord. I, I love the law of first mention in scripture. If you ever get in trouble. If you ever want to promise, I remember when my old dad used to tell me, he said, son, before you shout about a prophetic word, you need to go to the old written word. And it doesn't matter what somebody has prophesied to you. You need to find you a witness in the mouth of two or three witnesses. You need to find you two or three scriptures that have to do with that prophetic word. And you need to get that word and hide it in your heart because in the word is creation. That, that's what he taught me as a boy so as I begin to study scripture and learning that if I have a promise I'm going to go find the word and find that promise it taught me some of the basic laws of hermeneutics which is something is a doctrine or something I'm going to stand on it is not just historical it is not just poetry and it is not just law and it was not just custom or seasonal if it is a promise or a doctrine that I can hold on to then it is trans-testamental and it is Old Testament concealed and it can be New Testament revealed. What I mean by that, if God says it one time, then he confirms it by somebody else to prove that it is a word from the Lord. This was not just an instance in history with Israel. This is not just a circumstance that happened one time, but it becomes a principle in scripture. So when I can find something that can be hermeneutically challenged and that can stand, heaven and earth will pass away but his word will remain or endure forever. So what I have to learn how to do is in how to survive the process of standing between what I have received from the Lord, what I have seen with my eyes, and what I hear with my ears. Does that make sense? You want me to keep preaching or just hold on a second? Just keep on preaching? Hold on, all right. Well, now let's (laughs) praise him. Somebody just ought to feel that ought to woke you up. Hallelujah! So what I have to do is, is I realize that I have a word from the Lord that I can hold on to. One of those words, when I got in trouble several years ago, is I went back to Genesis, that in the beginning was the Word. And I went back and confirmed with John 1 and Genesis 1, and I began to confirm that not only was the beginning there was Word, but that God was the Word. So any time you are feeling or hearing a manifestation of God, it also... Always comes by the word punch somebody say wake up what I mean by that is the very first tool the very first prophetic utterance the very first concept of revelation that I have ever really felt in my life that is rule number one Subar, if you don't learn anything else you need to learn that chaos always precedes creation. The earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. But all God had to do was say, let there be, and he separated everything according to his word. Am I preaching to anybody that says, you don't understand what I'm going through? Then you need to tie on to a biblical principle that chaos always precedes creation. And so before there can be a creative word in your life, there has to be an opportunity for a miracle and what some of you are blaming on the devil is an opportunity for a testimony and instead of praying for God to deliver you out of it you need to learn how to walk through it for yea though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me oh I feel like preaching here Many of us have to understand that a lot of what's going on in our life has to do with our faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by a word from the Lord. But how you hear the word of the Lord determines how you receive the word of the Lord. And there seems to be three different type people in most churches I go to. There are believers, there are unbelievers, and then there are unbelieving believers. What I mean by that is there are people that believe in Christ, but they don't believe that Christ can do anything for them. They believe that their best days are in the past. They believe that God healed them 50 years ago. God saved me 20 years ago. God provided for my needs 30 years ago. But I messed up. I failed. Something turned me sour. And now everything is negative. But I wonder what would happen tonight if we would begin to look through the eyes of God and realize that everything that God has allowed to happen to you is just a part of the creation process of the word of the Lord that is over your life. What is God getting ready to accomplish that he needed a little chaos to put it together? It might be an ingredient for my miracle. I wrote this down this afternoon and I might run the aisles. I didn't get it out of a book. It says this, God always meets his people at the level of their expectation. Our old bishop used to say that expectation is the birthplace of the miraculous. You will receive whatever you believe. Many of us have low expectations. I told pastor in the office, I was laughing about this. I was thinking about low expectations. And I said, shoot low, sheriff, they're riding Shetland's. Because many of us live in such a perpetual state of negativity of what God did do or what God hasn't done that we are not really anticipating him to do anything now. I read a little story I thought was kind of interesting about this old lady that they found out she had about three months to live, precious lady in the church. So the pastor went to visit her and he had gone through the litany and everything of the service and getting ready for the songs, picking everything out, getting the whole funeral ready because she wanted it exactly the way that she wanted to go. She wanted the right song. She wanted the right sermon. She wanted the casket position, everything. She said, now at the end of the sermon, after they have sang the last song, she handed him a golden dessert fork. She said, I want you to go down and put this fork in my hands in the casket. He looked at her like she had lost her mind. He said, what do you mean? You want me to put a fork in your hand? She said, because dessert always causes me to have great anticipation and the best is yet to come. So put a fork in my hand because I'm going somewhere that I may be dying here, but I'm going to a city where the lamb is alight. Is there anyone in this room that you need to just put a fork in your pocket, put a fork in your lapel, and say weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, and I just feel like the best is yet to come. I just feel like God is up to something amazing. Boy, this service is on fire. Hey! Because somebody's in this room, the enemy has wanted you to give up. Am I preaching to anybody that says the enemy has finally convinced me to just come to church, just show up and pay my tithes and be good, but stop dreaming. You'll never have a ministry. You'll never sing again. You'll never worship again. You'll never be used of God again. You'll never start a new business. Your children will never get saved. Your wife is never coming back and your life is over. But when you come and sit on these pews like me and my family, we come into this church broken and feeling totally Rejected. But when this man of God began to preach, something began to move inside of me and began to say, God is not finished with me yet. And I come to preach, who am I preaching to tonight that says, God is not finished with me yet? Ah, I will be healed. I will be delivered. I will be set free. God is not finished. (laughs) <laughs> with me yet it's amazing let me read this to you expectation say expectation is the power to have an idea that becomes so real you can see it and feel it even before you can hold it huh. I love the father that, Lord I believe but help thou my unbelief I just want to deal with this expectation for a few minutes. I was studying yesterday and I I thought it's interesting because I'm going to deal with Simeon for a moment. And I thought it was interesting when you see that Simeon is somewhere around 90 to 100 years old. And so he has been in the temple ever since he has received a quickening in his spirit that he will not die. But the word that God spoke to him was not a new word. The first time there's a messianic prophecy that means an Old Testament or a tyrannical prophecy from the Torah that speaks that there will be a Messiah coming to the Jewish people that is going to rule his people came 1,600 years before in the book of Genesis. So we start what we call the messianic promises 14 to 1,600 years before Simeon ever received his promise. Then we have Isaiah that wrote his prophecy about the Messiah 700 years before Simeon then we have Jeremiah and Micah that wrote prophetic promises about the Messiah at about 550 to 620 years before there is a Simeon so it is a word from the Lord but it seems like it has been on delay am I preaching to anybody that you have a promise and you know God has not denied you, but it looks like it has been put on pause because you have a word from the Lord, but everything in your present is completely opposite to what God said in your spirit. As I was praying today, this is what I really feel to teach and to preach tonight. What would happen if the Holy Spirit would begin to activate every dead, delayed, dormant word in your spirit in this room? What would happen in the Holy Spirit if every dead Dormant, delayed word would come to pass because I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost that there are people in this room tonight that the enemy has tried to convince you that what you have now is all you're ever going to get. But I wish somebody would stand up and say, I have a word from the Lord. And the reason, can I preach for a minute? The reason that I know I have a word is because I've got a lot of chaos. Going on in my life. There's darkness in my life. There's fear in my life. There's chaos in my life. But God is able. To speak one word. And turn it around. What the enemy has meant for evil. God is going to turn it around. Tell somebody expectation. 1400 years. 700 years, 600 years, 500 years he is one of the only men there that is holding on to a prophetic word that is no longer just a promise in the Torah but what he read in Genesis, what he has read in Jeremiah what he has read in Isaiah what he has read in Micah and Nahum has now come as a prophetic word in his spirit and the spirit has quickened him and he begins to await eagerly because God said this word that's written on paper is going to come to pass where you're going to be able to see it with your eyes and touch it with your hands who am I preaching to tonight that you love the sermon you love the song but there had been a few words from the Lord that it wasn't just preaching it wasn't just your morning devotion as you were reading your Bible but it kicked in your spirit and you realize God God is not finished with me yet. God is not through with me. I said it last week. I'll say it again. If you're still breathing, God has anticipated your future and has forgotten your past. You're turn around and tell somebody that if you're still breathing, God has anticipated your future and has forgotten your past. So now we come to where he simply is standing on what I call his faith position so who am I preaching to is there anybody besides me that where you are in life right now you cannot lean to your emotions you cannot lean to your own understanding you cannot trust your eyes you cannot trust your ears you cannot trust your feelings because your feelings are always going to get you in trouble so when you can't trust your feeling you have to walk by faith the only way you can walk by faith is from a position of the word because faith without the word is hope. And I do not live in hope because if I had hope in this life only I would be of all men most miserable. But my difference between hope and faith is whatever happens to me yea though he slay me yet will I trust him because whatever happens to me is for my good. So hope says he's going to get me out of it. Faith says whatever he decides to do I'll trust him and praise him anyway hope says I will be healed faith says if I'm not healed I'm going to love him anyway hope says my children are going to come to church with me faith says I'm going whether they come or not hope says I'm going to get a new job faith says I'll pay time before I get a job because I'm standing on the promises of God And I'm standing in a position of faith. Let me read this. Am I boring you? It's on fire. It's on fire. Our faith position is as sure as the word. I wrote this down today. I'm not smart enough. I had to write it down. Say this with me. My faith position is as sure as the word, as big as the word, and as lasting as the word expectation is a longing for something that saturates the entire soul. And you get to a point, you can't think about anything but the promise of the Lord. I read a story and I'm sure pastors preached it, but I I think it's hilarious when Walt Disney was getting ready to step out just from being a cartoonist and had already become very wealthy by the little mouse. He drives his brother to the desert they drive out in the middle of the Californian desert. Walt, Walt looks around. His brother's looking at him like he's lost his mind. He's already a millionaire. He's already on Time Magazine. He's already popular. He's already done great things. And yet he's walking around saying, man, can you see this? Can you?" And his brother says, what do you see? He said, I see all of my dreams coming true. He said, what do you see? And his brother said, I see a desert. Because how you view something in your spirit determines how you see it with your eyes. His brother saw a desert, but Walt Disney saw Disneyland while he was seeing just the raw desert dirt somebody was seeing a dream am i preaching to anybody that has a dream in your spirit and it will not let you go your children are 60 years old but you still have a promise from the lord your marriage is on the rocks but you still have a promise from the lord you're so broke you can't pay attention but you still have a promise from the lord and it's great expectations When you look at Simeon and where he come from and you look at everything that he went through and he came anticipating, I love what I read today, eagerly awaiting the consolation of Israel. 1,400 years, 600 years, 500 years and there are some of you discouraged because God said it a week ago and it hasn't come to pass yet. Because I'm a missionary evangelist, people come up and say, oh, I'm called to the mission field. I'm like, great, you need to learn the language first. It takes about five years to learn Mandarin Chinese. Before you want to be a missionary to China, you might want to learn the language. No, I don't want to learn the language. I just want to go now. But sometimes it takes a process, and during the process, we cannot lose our anticipation. And I've come to preach to somebody in this Christmas season, whether you're Mary, whether you're Elizabeth, whether you're Joseph, or whether you're Simeon, and you're just doing, doing the same thing over and over and over. Where are you going, Papa? I'm going to the temple. Well, you went to the temple yesterday. Yes. What are you going to the temple for? I'm going to see the Messiah. Well, you went to see the Messiah Yes. Yesterday, you went to see the Messiah two weeks ago. You went to see the Messiah two years ago. You went to see the Messiah 10 years ago. I know, and I still have something in my spirit that it hasn't happened yet. But God said it shall come to pass. I'm preaching to somebody in this room that ought to throw your hands in the air and say, I have a word from the Lord that even though it hasn't happened yet, it's going to come to pass. There are three things I'll give you. There are three things. You ready to take notes? Three things. I think they have it up here. Isn't that a beautiful little picture of those little kids? Makes me want to go open presents. Number one, you can write it down. The enemy, say the enemy of expectation is always fear and worry. Always fear and worry. The enemy of expectation is always fear and worry. It's like the old farmer after the end of the boll weevil invasion in, like, I think it was 1917 in Alabama, they went to interview this farmer and it was just dust everywhere. And they said, After you have been invaded, what are you gonna plant next? Are you gonna plant corn? He said, No. You're gonna plant peanuts? He said, No. You're gonna plant more cotton? He said, No. They tried to find anything he could do. They said, Well, what are you gonna plant? He said, Nothing, so I won't be disappointed. You're laughing, but how many of you have stopped believing for great things? Because the last time you believed for a miracle, they died. The last time you believed for a breakthrough, it got worse. But here's something I learned a long time ago. Things always get worse right before they get better. You'll always feel like you're about to have a breakdown right before you have a breakthrough. Where's my chaos, people? Where's my chaos, people? You'll always feel like you're about to break down right before you break through. Somebody ought to jump up and say, you're talking to me. I'm on the brink of a breakthrough. I'm standing on the edge of my breakthrough. Number one, the enemy of anticipation. Number two, the enemy of expectation is negativity. How do you battle negativity? You have to compare your circumstance next to your God, not your reality. The first time an African pastor ever really began to speak into my life, it was a young preacher by the name of Paul I.O., who is probably one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard in my life. My mom and sister are here tonight. He impacted my life, even though he's a little older than me, a wonderful preacher. And we were actually ministering some together. I was young. He was older than me, but he was still young. And one day we were ministering at the altar. And he turned around and he asked me a question. He said, Jonathan, how big is your God? He said, because the difference between the American God and the African God is we have no other option. You have a hospital. We have a gutter. You have a government, we have a dictatorship. You have great churches, we have huts, but we don't have an option. So we worship God based on the level of our expectation and desperation of what He is going to do in our circumstance. You ought to punch somebody and say, How big is your God? When I when I when I was in school, I had trouble with math. And and so my mother didn't, and my kids don't, but I I had trouble with math, and Stephanie's smart, and she don't relate to this, but I was struggling with greater than Lesser than. I was struggling with. She, my teacher said, just figure out which number is bigger and put the open door to the big number. The sideways V, you know what I'm talking about? Put the open door, it's always greater than the little number. So instead of worrying about the big number and the little number, just put the open door next to the big number and it'll always be greater than the little number. I learned to put the open door next to J E S U S because Jesus is greater than cancer, Jesus is greater than fibromyalgia. Jesus is greater than poverty. Jesus is greater than depression. Jesus is greater than... Can I preach to somebody? Jesus is greater than depression. He is greater than addiction. He is greater than any attack on your life. He is greater than it all. (sighs) What I I was reading the other day, and I I know everybody's preached this, but I've never preached it. Have you ever heard what Jabez means in Hebrew? Because I read the book, the prayer of Jabez. I read about the blessing, but I didn't read about the pain. Because most of us want the promise, but we don't want to live through the process Of the promise. People say, Brother Johnson, I want your ministry. I want your anointing. No, you don't. You don't want to have someone call you that your child has been taken from you. You don't want to go through the things that this man has lived through. Because the only way you can have his anointing is to live through his pain. And the name Jabez, his mother called him Jabez. Which means because I bore him in pain so she named him pain. Here's what Jabez said when he got about 30 years old. Lord, all my life they call me pain, but I'm tired of being identified with my past. Would you please enlarge my borders and bless me so that two thousand years from now somebody's not going to write a book about my pain but they're going to talk about my blessing. Am I preaching to anybody tonight that has lived through the process of pain and you're making up your mind tonight? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. My pity party is over. I'm going to take the thumb out of my mouth. I'm going to quit blaming everybody else. I'm going to quit trying to find somebody to help me do what I'm supposed to do. And I'm just going to do all that I can do so that God can do what only he can do. Did that make sense to anybody? I'm going to do all I can do so that God can do what only God can do. Number three, and we're going to keep Christmas shopping. The enemy of expectation is apathy. An apathetic mindset resists change and is content with the status quo. It asks you questions like I've been asked all my life. Why can't you be satisfied with the ordinary? Why can't you just sit down and die? Why don't you just give up? Job, why don't you curse God and die? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I love what the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. There is something about if you continue to do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So why don't you stop doing what you've been doing and say, Lord, what are you calling me into? Anything anything is better than living in apathy. Anything is better than living in the lifestyle of woulda, coulda, and shoulda. I I, I just felt the preach come in here. I pastored for years in Louisiana. Something we have in Louisiana, Bishop Johnson, that you don't have a lot in Texas. You have it in some parts of Texas, but we have what you call wakes. My first time pastoring in Shady Grove, outside of DeRitter, we had an elder brother that died. They called the church and said, Pastor, I was 23 years old and all of my illustrious wisdom, (laughs) intellect, and they called the pastor and said, Pastor, brother so-and-so has died, and we are going to wake him. I thought they meant we was going to pray, and God was going to raise him up. But they said, no, we're going to keep him at the house all night. But it's too much strain upon the widow to stay all night. So about midnight, We're all going to leave. But it's the custom that the pastor stays with the body just to make sure nobody carries him away in the night. What I want to know is who's going to steal a 92-year-old dead man. That's what I want to know. But we are going to wake him. So I went with my Holy Ghost filled African dead raising miracle self. And showed up at this house. And my own wife didn't even go. And I was by myself at about 2 o'clock in the morning. Realizing I'm in a home with a dead man by myself. The devil is a lie. But what if tonight we would have a wake. And at the end of this old year going into this new year, right in the middle of the Christmas season, what if we would wake woulda, shoulda, and coulda? What if we would put them in triple caskets and roll them down the aisle tonight and say, this is the last time I'm sitting up with you. I've hung around with woulda. I've hung around with could have. I've hung around with should have done it. Would have been there. They should have treated me better. He could have helped me. She could have loved me. They. Oh, would you just let it go? It's time to put some things in the ground. And have a resurrection of a word from the Lord. You are to jump up to your feet right now. You are to jump up to your feet right now. And say there are some things. There are some things that I need to bury. Fear, listen, fear, doubt, disillusionment, bitterness. Why do you want to take that into Christmas? Why do you want to quit? keep blaming somebody else? Why do you want to keep hoping that somebody else will do what God told you you're going to do? I am expecting what God said to come to pass. It may not come when I want it, but it's going to come exactly right on time. And it will probably happen right in the middle of chaos. Because if I can get enough chaos in my life, the word from the Lord is going to cause creation. So at the end of this tonight, and I know it's a Wednesday night, but stand with me. Stand with me all over the audience. I want to know in this room, who has been setting up with woulda, coulda, and shoulda? They coulda used you. They shoulda gave you a raise, but they fired you. She would have loved you, but you did They could have, I would have, I should have. And so going into this season, we got people in this room that are blocked from your destiny because you're living in your past. And you can't see your future because of the attitude of your soul. So while Walt Disney's seeing a magic kingdom, all his brother can see is dirt. Dirt. I know this next week is difficult on people There are some of us not me but some of you that are really worried about getting with family members I'm blessed with a family I think they all like me they act like they do and I just ignore everything else but there's some of you that you know the next few days may not be great and so already in your spirit you have begun to focus your future based upon an emotion not upon faith So you're not able really to see or to interpret or to understand that God has said he's going to make a way where there seemeth to be no way. And so you've been living with months, maybe the whole year, maybe two or three years with woulda, coulda, or shoulda. Let's just raise your hands I saw a lot of you a while ago because here's what's going to happen tonight. We're going to bring our regrets to the altar. And one more time, when you leave tonight, you're going to walk out. And if somebody stops you and says where you're going, I want you to say, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But can't you do more than that? No, I'm waiting. Well, What are you going to do? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait eagerly with anticipation. I'm going to wait excitedly for the word of the Lord. But it's been 1400 years. It's been 700 years. It's been 25 years. It's been five years. It's been six months. I think I'll wait eagerly for a word from the Lord. Every eye closed. Father. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.